Hear ye! Welcome to the Osomology Podcast, presented by AccessFilms.com. Osomology is the study of things that are awesome. Here we talk about things we love, things we don't love, and things we find interesting. The show is hosted by Ben Wiggins of Access Films, and now, hear ye, hear ye, the Academy of Osomology is now in session. Hear ye, hear ye. We are once again in session. Happy Wednesday, folks. I'm Ben Wiggins. I'm coming to you from Northwest Los Angeles, California. And joining me tonight is Michael Maciel from the great state of Texas. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great, Ben, except it's not just the great state of Texas. It's the great city of College Station, Texas. Yes. Yeah, Giga Maggie's. We love, uh, we love Texas A&M. We love College Station. Um, so, Michael, one of the one of the topics that you mentioned that you wanted to get into tonight was the invulnerability of youth. Um, I, I I find that a fascinating subject. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit more about what motivated that message? Well, what motivated that uh, that message was your stubbornness to not go see a doctor about your Achilles uh, tendons in your um, your knees. So, you know, uh, prior to this, uh, prior to coming online, we were actually talking about how stubborn of a beast you are, and uh, this is just one of those examples. You know, it's, uh, I don't think that as a nation, we we preach and practice preventive medicine as much as we should, you know, and uh, it's, no, no, I can take care of this, I'll be fine, I can fix it on myself, when, you know, especially in the nation that recently got, you know, uh, universal health care or close to it as we ha- we we've had in a long time. I just find it surprising that people don't go to doctors just to have this kind of stuff checked out. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting perspective. I actually so I in uh news that will surprise no one, I have a little bit of a contrary point of view to that. I think by the way, I think that people should go in for their annual physicals absolutely. I think they should, you know, go see the doctor if they think there's an issue with something. I'm a big believer in preventive medicine. I just don't like and for, now you're, for and myself. Now you're going to explain to me. See, and now you're going to explain to me why what you just said doesn't apply to you. <laughs> I don't think that it applies to. Uh, I think uh-huh, that people uh-huh. are too quick to apply that standard to sports injuries, um, and I think that in like in CrossFit. So for anyone who doesn't know, like I'm I I do CrossFit. I really enjoy it. I've been doing it for 8 years or so. And I think in CrossFit people and and also in sports in general, people are too quick to let themselves be sidelined with this injury or that injury. I think the exception is probably football. I think football and hockey players are super duper tough. Um I but think that Then at uh, no point did I say to you, Ben Stop immediately doing what you're doing. You know, you you must declare yourself sidelined. None of us said that. We said, you know, maybe you ought to have a professional look. <laughs> That's true. true. That's what you said. I that totally okay, true. So, I don't. So I, to I just don't think a doctor has. I, I don't think a doctor is going to tell me anything that I don't already know about this injury, which is that I should ice it. Um, and by the way, I texted an orthopedic surgeon that I know. Uh, here's the situation. Is there anything that I should do other than what I'm already doing? And he said, "Well, are you icing it?" Yes, I see. he said. "Are you resting it?" I said, "I'm resting it from high impact stuff." He said, um, "Are you stretching it?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Yeah, just let me know if it gets any worse." So I think in many cases, uh, for for sports injuries, 
the doctor's response if it's not something chronic that's been going on. Like if it's been going on for six months or if it's gotten suddenly worse, that's a different thing. You should go to the doctor for that. But otherwise, the pursuit of the pursuit of high-level fitness as an adult, unless you're a professional athlete and you have these doctors easily or readily available, um, I think the pursuit of high-level fitness uh, as an adult is – is kind of the practice of dealing with various injuries um, and, and, you know, making sure that you're able to press to gently, the phrase I always use is to gently push through those to the best of your capabilities. Obviously you want to listen to your body um, and you want to, uh, you don't want to risk aggravating the injury, but you do want to, you do want to constantly be, testing your capabilities and figuring out, okay, this movement was something that I couldn't really do last week. Can I do it now? Okay, I know I can't. I still can't do this other movement now. Maybe I can do that next week. Um, and you just sort of, like, you, you're you're constantly aware of the little answers that your body is giving you, and you kind of get a feel for what the injury is and how you can work your way through it and what is not a good idea in the process of working your way through it. Does that does that make any sense at all? I'm, I'm sorry. I just heard the brain of an ass. <laughs> you're being stubborn. Uh-huh. That's probably true. No, um, no, no, Ben. You're you're making you are making legitimate statements here. And and I agree with you that, you know, in the process, you know, and you are an athlete. Uh you know, albeit not professionally, you are an athlete. And and you have to recognize, you know, that you're gonna get certain pains in your body and certain you know, low level injuries. And I understand that. But you know, at the same time, you know, uh I, I just and this is where I talk about the invulnerability of youth. I mean, when you reach my age, you know, if you get one of those pains, you go see a doctor because it is indicative of something, you know? It's the, they got yeah. these weird commercials on TV right now, and it just really just kind of cracks me up. But it just goes to show you, you know, you know what we think of our bodies. Where they 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 talk about these men and women that you know have a that uh, that fart, and you know what this commercial is making a point of is saying is that hey, you know, at a certain age, if you're farting a lot, that could be a sign of you know uh, cancer in your colon. You know, so now you can't even now you can't even fart without worrying about it. You know, it's like you know, what's <laughs> happening to humanity? So you know, it's, yeah. it's, at some you know you're at a point in your life, you know, I'm sure you know you've got a couple more years till you reach that peak, and then you start going downhill in terms of you know the physicality, you know what you can do. But you know, it's something that you know I, I would at least hope that you and other people you like start considering is that you know what would it hurt, you know. Uh, you know, to go see a doctor, you know, when some of this stuff comes up. Now, fortunately, you were able to text a, uh, a profession. But what about those individuals that don't have that opportunity? And that's what I'm speaking to. Sure. That's, you know, that's way, a very if, fair point. And if you told me earlier that you'd already texted a professional on this, I wouldn't be nagging you. So this is your own fault. <laughs> that's that's very true. Um, and And <laughs> – to be fair, uh, it's a lot of people come into uh, it's just to use CrossFit as an example. A lot of people come into that uh, pursuit, that sport, or you know what, whatever you want to call it, with a lot less experience than I have. Um, and if 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 those people's response is, I feel like it's better to play it safe with my body, especially if I'm doing something that's really really hard. I feel like it's better to play it safe than to, you know, run the risk of 
serious injury and, you know, possibly put myself out of commission for, um, for several months, you know, especially with like back surgery or something like that. You did play sports, um, uh, when you were younger, didn't you? Weren't you like a blocker on some, some football team? Some, um, <laughs> I, I did a lot of blocking. I did. I did a lot of blocking, um, but uh, of course that was many moons ago. Uh, you were a pretty uh, accomplished and recognized wide receiver, if I recall correctly, for rights, right? Uh, you know, I I really can't recall. Um, but uh, the, <laughs> oh, man, one of the other, <laughs> one of the uh, so yes, I I think so. All of which to say, folks, um, you know, it's the era of Obamacare. I think Michael does have a really good point in that. Um, we should, we we have access to all this preventative care at this point. Go for your annual physical. Get your blood work done. Even you young people, I uh, I have a young friend who went in for his physical expecting that there was nothing wrong, and he didn't have anything serious, but he discovered that um, that his his liver enzymes were basically all out of whack. Um, and the message that he got from his doctor was, you need to cut back on your drinking. Um, and so, you know, like he's, he's made some changes as a result of that. And it probably wouldn't have affected it. It probably would not have affected his life in a serious way for another 10 or 15 years. But at that point, things would have gotten real serious, real fast. Um, so it's, it's a few minutes. Take a few minutes out of your time, pay the 50 bucks and go see your doctor. Out of curiosity, is your friend Hispanic? Oh, uh, no, no, no. He is Irish uh, Catholic. For some reason, there's a high incidence of uh, liver problems in Hispanics at a very early age. So uh, you know, I, was just, I was just curious. I didn't mean to throw you off your mark here. I, I, I did not know that, but um, but I I will bear that in mind. I, I was I was not aware. Um, but uh, moving along to our next uh, moving along to our next topic of discussion. So Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, has published a new novel, uh, and it has been met with a certain degree of controversy. The uh, the character of Atticus Finch, uh, who was you know held up as this kind of this paragon of virtue, um, especially after Gregory Peck's portrayal of Atticus Finch in the movie To Kill a Mockingbird. In this second novel, he goes to uh, he goes to a meeting of white supremacists. There's there's all sorts of kind of confusing messages from a racial standpoint that sort of throw our cultural view of Atticus Finch into a little bit of disarray and confusion. Um, what are your thoughts on the novel as a whole? Um, and and you 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 mentioned this to me a couple of months ago, I think that, or maybe maybe it was even three or four months ago that Harper Lee was publishing something new, and you were fairly excited about it, as I recall. What what do you think? Well, uh, I want to make a point, and then I'll, I'll respond to yours. Is uh, the, this Watchmen novel is actually uh-huh. the first novel that he wrote, and it turns out that um, when she took it to a publisher, the publisher worked with her over the course of two to three years, and the result of that was um, is where To Kill a Mockingbird came out of. So what we're actually seeing now was a novel that she'd written, written two to three years prior to this, um, and To Kill a Mockingbird was the polished version, okay? 
Okay. And my 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 point to all this is that you know I and and now reading about the fact that you know Atticus Finch turns out to be a segregationist and all this other stuff that you read and and um, that you're reading about this novel, it's I, I just want to go back to a common theme of mine. It's like where have all our heroes gone? I mean, even right. in literary circles now, Atticus Finch, who was like you know this you know proponent for you know equal rights and equal treatment. It turns out the guy was a racist. You know, it's right. you know, we look at, you know, Lance Armstrong, you know, we look at Bill Cosby. I mean, the list keeps longer and longer about how people that we you know, we put up on pedestals, you know, they have clay feet. So um, I'm a little yeah. disappointed. I mean, I'll read the novel, but I have to tell you I'm going into it, you know, just not with with as much enthusiasm as I should. I, I agree with that. And let me offer a theory um, as far as an answer to your question. I think where our heroes have gone is um, they're all being mowed under by the 24-hour news cycle. And our access to this such such a high degree of information about people, um, and, and there's just so much out there in the world. You know, I mean, if we look at Bill Cosby, like if Hannibal Burris, that comedian – had not um you know had not kind of gotten in this feud online as i as i understand it that a lot of this sort of happened online uh none of this stuff about bill cosby would have come out because what happened was as my understanding as far as the way that you know that sexual offenses frequently get reported is that uh, w- women or or men whoever the victims happen to be discover that this has happened to other people and they want to make sure that this person whoever whoever is has allegedly committed these offenses is not able to hurt anyone else um and the so but to to kind of tie that back to this thing about the information age Martin Luther King was the guy had I mean and by the way, I have enormous respect for Martin Luther King and all the good that he accomplished. I think that his message, his most important message, was a great one. Um, and I, I don't mean you know, to ben, I have to that. You, I have to tell you, I was, I was curious if you were going to uh, broach uh, Martin Luther King and his conversation. So anyway, go go ahead. So Martin Luther King had a, had a had a great message, but he had he had dozens of affairs. Um, he was, he was a highly imperfect man. Um, and, and I think the, the thing that we need to understand is that our, our heroes are just as human as we are. Um, and they have imperfections and frequently big personalities and people who are capable of accomplishing great things have big imperfections. Great people have great secrets. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. I mean, you look at, you know, John F. Kennedy, who's you know, whose reign as president, because I think it's a, it's appropriate to describe it that way, um, was is referred to as Camelot. Um, but uh, but Kennedy, you know, I mean, he also, I mean, we, I guess, I don't mean to keep coming back to affairs, but you know, he legendarily, you know, had sex with Marilyn Monroe in the Oval Office and, you know, did all these other things, you know, I mean, you it, pick it out... Be on that, then, with the, um, the, uh, 
depending on what history books you see, you'll find that JFK and Robert Kennedy it made no qualms about passing that woman between them, between each other. I mean, so uh-huh. this is practice misogyny. You know, and yeah. you're right. I mean, um, see, I grew up. I grew up in a different generation than you, and you know, I grew. Up, my, my parents grew up in a generation where the, the, the telecasters deliberately did not film Franklin Roosevelt, you know, with his braces on. I mean, right. so it was actually the, the news, the, the news stations themselves, the media that was that was creating these heroes for us. And so I guess I shouldn't be surprised that you know now they've changed their mind and they decided you know to make our heroes more human. I'm just you know, and, and I accept that. I just just because I accept it doesn't mean that I'm comfortable. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense, and I think that it's one thing that I think is worth pointing out here is I don't agree with you know with passing women back and forth. Like I don't, I don't I'm not I'm not trying to justify that but if let's let's just say that you have a president who's having an affair or maybe multiple affairs that is honestly i think that there is a world yeah yeah uh, yeah, frankly none of your business it's his wife's business um and if and by the way i think that there are marriages where that kind of thing happens and either the husband or the wife is having a relationship outside of marriage and the other spouse knows about it and is comfortable with it, and that's none of anybody's business well, see, but theirs. And I'll go one step further. I'll say that uh, there's many of those marriages that exist that are healthy because of that. In fact, if you look going back to the Franklin, you know, Roosevelt, you know, scenario, Eleanor uh, was actually accepted one of uh, welcome, very welcomed uh, one of Franklin uh, Roosevelt's um, mistresses. Uh-huh. into the family because she was grateful that she was able to give him the comfort that she just couldn't or, quite frankly, didn't want to. Yes, so and, and I think healthy marriages exist in that environment. So I try to be careful about, and, and I, I, I notice you're drawing the same distinction I am. If it's, you know, if it's consenting adults, then I don't have a problem with it. But it's, it's when you start manipulating people that I have a problem but let me ask you something, Ben. Now that you said that, where does Monica Lewinsky fit into this? Because she was concerned. You know, yes, she was. I, I think that, I think that if that if that whole saga happens in 2015, you might see a very different result. I, the the thing that I do not, um, that I'm not okay with is the fact that the president and and just a person like I don't I don't hold the president to necessarily a higher moral standard than I hold anyone to but this person this man lied under oath about whether he um whether he engaged in sexual congress with this person um and I the fact that I think that it is none of the country's business whether he did or not doesn't change the fact that they put you on the stand, which they were legally entitled to do, and they asked you questions about this, and you lied. Um, to, in in my book, I, I, lying is not okay. Like that's that's. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate. I'm gonna play devil's advocate to that, and I I tend to agree with it. you. But like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue this point. It's you know as, okay. as a gay individual, you know there was yeah. a time in society 
that even if you were put on sting, even if you were put on, uh, you know, under oath, it was in your best interest, you know, to lie. Yeah. Okay? Because the moment you didn't lie, the moment you said, yes, I am gay, yes, I am a homosexual, your family, you know, um, uh, your, your family ostracized you, your church ostracized you, your society ostracized you, you lost your job. I mean, the list goes on. So given those circumstances, you know, I, and again, I'm not trying to, um, you know, condone what, what Bill Clinton did, but I understand what he did was he was trying to survive. Sure. That's that's a very fair point. And, and let me say this. Exactly what you've said is one of the biggest reasons that I've always been, I, always, I would say, since I've had any kind of public forum, I... I I sort of I, I gained a new understanding of what it meant to be gay while I was in college. I read I read a book by Robin Baker that talked about you know deterministic factors in uh, in sexual orientation, and it kind of opened my eyes because I had always thought I was raised to believe that being gay was a choice, um, and. Uh, and I, I don't know that I, my parents ever said that directly to me, but there, but the community, the, the belief in my community was that that was what it was. So, to answer to to address what you actually what you said though is, I think that it is best for society to be to, to for society to be structured structured in such a way that it is always in everyone's best interest to tell the truth, and I think that we are. I think that we make progress toward that every day. Um, I think that you know this this landmark victory for uh, for gay men and women uh, in the last couple of months has been a great thing, and we'll continue to make progress with that. But I just think that I think that people that society should be set up in a way that people are always incented to be honest. Um, so I I see where you're coming from on you know on on the you know this this point that you just made i i think that we're on the same page in that i get i get why bill clinton so we are. did what he did um i would say that there is a subtle difference between between being between being gay and and what we're talking about with bill clinton which is that it is it is more difficult for me to defend an extramarital affair than it is to defend being a homosexual. I think that it's there's there's no need to defend being a homosexual. I think that you there are certain scenarios where an extramarital affair could be a terribly harmful thing, and we don't have really a whole lot of evidence as to that that I'm aware of as to how Hillary felt about the whole thing, but. I noticed that she didn't spring to his defense. Um, so, which suggests to me, although there's no way of knowing, it suggests to me that she either didn't know about it or knew about it and wasn't thrilled about it. In which case, lying about an act that was harmful to your marriage or ostensibly harmful to your marriage is a little bit harder for me to sell. Like, I, I, I don't well, know. I have a. I have a problem with the conclusion you're drawing here. And the conclusion that I understand that you're saying is that Hillary was unaware of this or Hillary didn't, Hillary didn't approve. How many times have you seen that poor, pathetic wife, you know, or, or husband for that matter, 
stand behind their, you know, their their husband or 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 wife has, you know, as the husband or wife says, I beg my family's forgiveness, and her job is to look upon him lovingly and forgiving. Can you honestly see Hillary as the individual, as, as a force of nature that Hillary is? Can you see her denigrating herself that way? I think Hillary I, is I don't know. dignity by not by not getting involved. Honestly. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. I I just I, I feel like let, let me just say it this way. I think we can agree on this. I I just feel like that water is a lot muddier, um, and I I don't I I don't know what the right answer is. Um, but I well, do feel good, that you know you bring up which a good is, point in that you say that if this happened in 2015, you know, yeah, 2015, I don't know if it would make the you know ripples in the water that it did back then. You know, but the other thing is, it's just that's just to me. You know, regardless of how you want to look at this, Bill, that was just poor judgment to do that, you know, in the White House. You know, if, yeah. you're, going to, if you're going to have, a, you know, if you're going to have that kind of affair, do what the Kennedys did and, you know, access the secret, you know, passageway outside the building. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, speaking of... No, uh, you know, speaking I, of... I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Confederate flag. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's a whole lot to discuss here, to be honest. I, I think that, so we're talking about, you and I were talking about this a little bit beforehand and you drew a distinction between free speech and, well, let me back up a minute. I think that it's a good idea for Confederate flags flown publicly to come down I do support an individual's right to fly a Confederate flag on their own property. Um, I disagree with the message that that flag sends. I think that it's a hateful symbol, um, but uh, I, I don't know. I think it's, and I mentioned this to you before, I think free speech is, is just a really tough thing. Um, and to draw that line correctly I I would rather err on the side of allowing people to say, uh, allowing idiots to say a little bit too much rather than not allowing them to say quite enough. I would rather be too liberal in that regard than not quite liberal enough. What are your thoughts on the matter? Um, I agree with you completely. In fact, you'll find that, you know, case after case that has gone before the uh, Supreme Court has backed that. You know, it's, uh, the Supreme Court is the one that said it was okay for the KKK to uh, march in Skokie, Illinois. Why? Because of freedom uh-huh. of speech. Now, was that, right. you know, was that just, you know, the most heinous thing in the world to see? Yes. But, you know, the same thing is what was that Westboro Church? You know, uh, uh-huh. that's where, you know, that was one of the issues. It's like, where, where do you draw the line between hate speech and freedom of speech? You know, and what the case with the Westboro Church was is that they were encroaching upon um, a person, uh, uh, an organization's, for lack of a better phrase, personal space. You know, yes. they were becoming threatening and physically, physically in that fashion more than they were in words. The words were terrible. You know, but it was that the fact that you know they were exchanging a, a, a ceremony, honoring on the Lord. But, but I agree with you completely. 
that, you know, we're witnesses with some witness freedom of speech, which for years, for decades, has been the topic of discussion, that now it, it's freedom of religion that is, you know, as a nation we have to face. Yeah, and this was something that I, I'm, that I mentioned to you. I, I'm not sure that I've I've quite landed on what religious rights should be in light of the Supreme Court ruling about uh, same-sex marriage. Um, I I feel that so I'm for our listeners. I'm I'm a pretty libertarian guy. I'm a big fan of personal freedoms, which is another reason that I've supported same-sex marriage for quite some time now. Um, and uh, so I think that it's. And now you, but you made a good point that it is dangerous to. It's dangerous to try to. Well, why don't I, I'll, I'm going to let you say this for the audience. It's you. You made the point that you know allowing people to choose what other folks' morality should be vis-a-vis whether they will offer service to them. Um, is a little bit of a slippery slope. Can you elucidate your argument a little bit for uh, for the audience? Well, you know, I was making the point that, you know, you can draw kind of a, a, a logic line between denial of service, I will not serve you because you are gay, to I will serve you because you're a pedophile. And admittedly, I'm taking this to the extremes, you know, so whoever's listening out there, you know, I'm not trying to condone pedophilia, but what I'm saying is that, you know, by not allowing an, an individual or a group, you're tacitly also allowing another group. And, mm-hmm. and that's where the slope gets really dangerous, you know, because, you know, it's, um, I guess, you know, I want to use the example of, of uh, women, uh, women's, what women are expected to wear when they're practicing the, uh, the, the Muslim faith, you know, okay. and, 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 and some, in some sects, you know the, the the and sex maybe is the wrong word S E C T S by the way, uh, but they have to cover their entire face with only their eyes showing. And others they have to have their eyes you know also veiled. And others it's okay, you know to have your face showing, but your your hair has to be covered. And in others it's okay, it, the the admin you know you're told that you're not supposed to have your head exposed, right? So it's okay right. to wear a wig. You know, so instead of wearing, you know, a scarf, and I don't know the right term for it, but instead of wearing a scarf over your head, like the, um, well, I can't remember. You're talking about that, like, like a burqua? Yeah, that's it. You know, it's some women and, and, and some um, Muslim face are allowed just to go out and just put a wig on their head. So, by, you know, it's it's you, you look at all this type of stuff and, you, you know, it's, I, I it's, I, I just religion just just fascinates me in, in no many in so many ways. I mean, uh, I, I think that as a society, you know, on a worldwide, on a global view, we, we, we pra- we're doing it wrong. We practice religion as you know as a do not as opposed to an I love you, and that's where we get in trouble. You know, I, I think that things have gotten a lot more complicated. In the modern era, the, the the I'm a I'm a big so I'm I'm a Christian myself, um, and I believe uh, you know I there there are a lot of things in my own religious book that I feel like are kind of laughably outdated, um, and so there's 
it's it's a very complicated thing. I think that Christians who are doing it right and Muslims who are doing it right and Hindus who are doing it right approach things from a standpoint of love first. I think that that's intended to be, exactly as you said, intended to be the chief and primary message of of all the major religions. Um, but we get... Yeah, well, let's not forget that, you know, as we sit here, you know, you know, right now it's really easy to pick on Muslims, right? You know, because that's where you see a lot of the terrorist actions coming. But let's not forget that there's a, a, a huge point in history, and some will argue that it still exists, that Christianity was used as, as a weapon. I mean, look at how many people died, you know, um, with the, uh, the Crusades into Jerusalem. I mean, masses and masses of people. Look at how many people saw saying onward Christian soldier as they marched into battle. So, I mean, right. I, my criticism of a religion isn't focused on, on one particular religion. It's, like I said, I think locally we're doing it. Oh, yeah. That's no, no, I, I agree. And, no, no, that's there's uh, you, you're absolutely right, and and I think that it's you know in in the in the discussions about same sex marriage, I think that a lot of people who were condemning same sex marriage and opposed to same sex marriage were in fact Christians. Now, I think that those people should be entitled to, to going back to the freedom of speech thing. I think that 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 my fellow Christians, should be entitled to say what they believe. I think that where we get the, the best way to get to a place where we're really doing what's best for everyone is for everyone to say what they think, and uh, provided they're prepared to defend it. Um, and the only people that we shout down are people who are saying hateful things and have no no real rationale to back them up. And that's why I, want, I think Westboro Baptist Church is a bunch of fools. Well, I want to, I'm going to make three points, and I'll make them quickly. The, the first point is, is I just uh, I kind of want to give a shout-out to what Texas A&M University's diversity group is doing here. Uh, our diversity, or, uh, our vice president of diversity has come up with this uh, 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 concept that's called difficult dialogues. And it's saying basically what you're saying, Ben, is we, 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 we can't out-shout each other. We have to talk about but we also have to have the skill sets and the tools that when you and I strongly disagree with each other, that we're able to conduct that as a dialogue, albeit a difficult one, we're still able to have that, that conversation. And I really believe that that's something that we all, that's a skill that we all need to learn. Um, what what yeah. I want to say about, you know, I see all these uh, 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 clerks that are refusing to issue marriage license to gay couples. And what I, I want to go to is I want to go back to the oath that they had to take. And they had to take an oath. And does the oath in there say where, you know, mention God, or does it say that they will protect the laws of the land? And if it says that they're going to protect the laws of the land, then by refusing to issue that marriage license, they're violating that oath. And, and by that fact, they are then also they're they're being insubordinate and, uh, about their jobs. And the third point I want to make is there's a, an act called the American Disabilities Act, which says that it uses a term called reasonable accommodation. And what reasonable accommodation says is that, you know, if I need to build a ramp, you know, to allow people in wheelchairs to get up to my, to, to, to get up to my house, then I, I expect to do that. However, if that ramp winds up costing $2 million, 
and I only make $20,000 a year, then that's not a reasonable accommodation. And so I think uh-huh. that what we, need to, what we need to start practicing is for these county clerks that strongly believe that this violates their religious point of view, we need to give them that, that reasonable accommodation and say, all right, if you don't agree with us this strongly, then we'll reassign you. You know, uh-huh. we won't we won't we won't punish you for your beliefs, but we will reassign you so that you're no longer in a position that you, your religion has to come in conflict with the laws of the law. That's that's a that's a great that's a great point. It's a great idea. Um I'm all in favor of that. Um and um and I, I I think that if we if we step this out a little bit, by the way, one thing and and you, we mentioned you you mentioned agreeing to disagree and having dialogue despite the fact that we may not be coming from the same places. One of the things a, a friend of ours uh, named Mark Huffman recently uh, posted uh, about you know polyamory polyamorous uh, relationships and incestual relationships and where are we. Do, where, if anywhere, do we do we draw the line on those sorts of things? And my my reply to that, uh, which he said he respected intellectually, even though he disagreed with it, um, was that I'm in favor of um, I'm in favor of providing the same the same benefits. Again, assuming that two consenting human adults are involved, uh, or, or sorry, assuming that consenting adults are involved. It's and it could be any number of consenting adults. I would say up to up to four. I think once you get more than four, you're you're starting to deal with something more like a commune than a marriage. Um, and I'm I'm not I'm not sure how we handle that. But I think um, you know brother sister incest is something like I I think that it's a very bad idea, and uh, I think those relationships are emotionally fraught in ways that can be really harmful but i think that we have to we have to we have to take a look at that stuff um and i yeah there's this so, discussion about uh there's discussion about theory versus application and i agree uh-huh. with you. in theory you know and, and again i'm going to take it to the extreme but you know in theory if if, if the two consenting adults happen to be brother or sister then in theory, then it should be okay. But it, yeah. but that's the theory. In application, it just doesn't work. But at the same time, you look at, you know, just look at our recent history, and I'm talking about like 1700s, you know, up, up into the 19, 19, even the 1900s. You know, incest was a accepted norm among royal families because they didn't want any, you know, um, the, you know, plain blood, you know, flowing through their veins. Yeah. So, no, no, no question. Yeah, I agree with you um, then. I just don't well, think it works in reality, but in theory, I agree. With you. Yeah, yeah, and it, how we how we sort that all out just kind of remains to be seen. Um, but we are about uh, we're about out of time. Do you have uh, you have any final words for the listeners? Um, no, except I I don't feel that I've done um, uh, this this telecast uh, you know justice because um, and I use that word justice. That's a prelude to what I'm going to say is that, you know, Sunday is usually, uh, uh, you know, your your cohorts in those things is, is not here. And if I were representing or trying to represent, to do any justice to representing Sunday Stewart, I would have, been, you know, been issuing very, you know, 
smart-ass things about, you know, how you brush your teeth and how you smell at this point. And I just don't think I've done that adequately enough. Yes, hello, anyway, hello. Shout hello out to Sunday. Apologies for not, uh, to, uh, not doing, doing her job as well as she does it. Well, I'm sure, thank you I'm for sure the listeners me. can uh, – you're absolutely – thank you for joining us. And I'm sure the listeners can forgive your failure to uh, question my my personal hygiene for a half hour. Um, but uh, for the listeners, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, join us next time for the Academy of Awesomeology podcast. We will be back with you next week. So for now, uh, good night and good luck. Thank you for listening to the Awesomeology Podcast. For more information, check out accessfilms.com. Follow us on Twitter at underscore awesomeology and like our page at facebook.com forward slash Academy of Awesomeology. Follow your host on Twitter at Benjamin Wiggins and feel free to like his page at facebook.com forward slash accessbenwiggins. Be sure to check out the Access Films Podcast as well on accessfilms.com forward slash radio. The Academy is adjourned.